Welcome to the Homegirls. Four top producing mega realtors, moms, wives, and friends talking about real estate and real life. Angela, Kristen, Jessica, and Lindsay are in the top 1% of all real estate agents and would be honored to receive your real estate referrals in Colorado. Join us as we drop a new episode every Monday anywhere podcasts are aired, in real life on YouTube, and connect with us every day on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HomegirlsCO. Thanks for listening. We love you. Hey, everybody. It's your homegirls here today. We are with the gorgeous Carissa Ocker out of Denton, Texas today. Hi, Carissa. Hello. How are you? We are so excited you're here today. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> so Carissa and her husband, Jay, own the Real Estate by Design Group with Keller Williams. They have two locations currently, one in San Antonio and one in Denton, Texas, right outside of Dallas-Fort Worth. She is a wife, a mother of two beautiful kids, business owner, leader, and she is going to give us all of the uh, Carissa Ocker life today and tell us everything we ever wanted to know. So Carissa, will you start with just a little bit of your story for us? Okay. Well, um, how far do you want me to go back? I'll, I'll start with this. So I, cause I think it's pertinent. Um, I'm the oldest of five kids, um, which was always kind of the band of my existence, but ended up shaping a lot of the things in my life. Um, I have two beautiful daughters. I met my husband when I was 19 years old. I just turned 19. We will celebrate our 25th wedding anniversary in June. Uh, my daughter, my youngest daughter, just graduated from high school, and they will both be out of my house April or wait, August 10th, 11th. It's in my calendar. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness. Um, I'm trying to go what else. Oh, I super love my team and my parents. I'm like one of those weird people that like adores everyone on our team and actually super in love with my parents. Just adore my parents. So that's kind of me. So tell us a little bit about your team. How many people are on it? Um, how did you guys start the real estate and, and how did you and Jay start this team together? And what did that look like as a husband and wife putting this all into place? Well, we didn't actually start it together. I got in first and actually it was kind of weird. Like I never wanted to be a real estate agent. I actually worked for Freddie Mac when I was in college and he worked for a relocation company and he had always wanted to be a realtor. But after I worked at Freddie Mac, I was like, no, realtors are the worst. They are horrible people. They were just like the worst. I just didn't love, I didn't love it. And it was not something that I really wanted to do at all. Um, but after I had my second daughter, um, I, had this weird idea um, that I should do a business where I help realtors because it was something that I knew how to do. And I had kind of done it previously for a friend of my mother-in-law's after I had Sydney. Um, but after I had Maddie, I just thought, well, I'm going to do this. And I should have probably asked my husband, but I was like, forget it. I'm quitting my job. I've got this plan. And literally it was like the same day. I like, I had this plan. I was like, I'm quitting and I did it. And um, and we just, I just did it. So I started a contract to close business. So I did that for about two years. And the reason why I actually got my real estate license was because I needed money to expand that. And so I thought, well, clearly I now know enough realtors. Cause I think I was probably working for 40 different realtors at that point. Uh, and I'm like, this is not complicated. I can totally do this. Um, and so let me just see, I need like 5,000 extra dollars a month to be able to do kind of what I needed to do. So um, got my real estate license, took me three times to pass the test, even though I had a ton of real estate experience, took me forever. Um, and ultimately the first deal I did, I was like, this is, I don't want to say too easy, but in my head, I thought this is too easy. Um, and I, it was just such a natural fit and um, it was just a natural fit. And so at that point I kept the other um, business running and I immediately started in real estate and had my own assistant and the whole, because I had a company that had assistants. Um, so that was kind of how it started. It was in 2004 and we kind of had what I call team one and then team two, which was team one was, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just winging it and just going on natural ability and whatever. 
not a lot of thought put into it. Team two was when I learned how to do career visioning. I would, you know, I, I at least did career visioning. There wasn't always, I'm always like a feeler person, uh, more an intuition person, but there wasn't always a lot of, I'd like to say there was a lot of thought in how we created the team. Uh, but there really wasn't. I think at about six months, Jay was still not in the business, but at about six months, I realized I'd been on a team because I've always liked teams. I'd been on a team and I didn't, um, I just, I wasn't taking leads from them and I was pretty much procuring my own leads. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to do this on my own. And instead of like saying, oh, I'm going to be a single agent, I thought, well, I don't like actually being alone. So I'm just going to form a team. And I felt like if I'm going to hire one person, it makes sense to just hire four at one time because then I can like, it just, it just made more sense. And I don't know why I picked four, four was the number. Um, but it just, I was like, if I have to do it, I don't like doing things a bunch of different times. So I'm like, if I have to train one person, three other people can listen to. So just do four. That was my plan at six months. I have no idea why. It's kind of weird. <laughs> and for me, like that blows my mind. Cause like, I am terrified of hiring and I'm terrified of like a team. And so to hear you say like, Oh, I just hired four and that's what I decided to do. And I'm sitting here going, you know, WTF, I can't even hire one. <laughs> well, you know, I, what I've come to realize probably pretty recently within the last like four or five years is that like, I have this idea that even though I like have lots of self doubt, like everybody does, it never occurs to me that I can't do something. And because I don't think about things, a lot. I'm just like, okay, that sounds like a good idea. So probably about almost five years ago, five years in August, uh, we wanted to go to Machu Picchu. I was like, okay, perfect. And like about two weeks before my dad came over and he's like, dear, it's a 50 mile hike and it's a mountain. And he's like, do you hike? And I'm like, yeah, I hike. And he's like, do you, have you been trained? And I'm like, and then I started thinking about it. I'm like, actually I don't hike at all. <laughs> I had been on a hike once uh, in Paladura Canyon, but I, I really like, I had not hiked and I was like, oh crap. And I'm like, well, I did one six miles once and, and that was about it. And so that was my preparation for going on this trip. Um, and like, I didn't actually do any planning and I didn't realize that you are supposed to get there like a few days before to uh, acclimate to the <clears throat> altitude. And you were supposed to have pills. I was like, oh crap. And my dad's like, I've been doing some research and have you seen Dr. Johnson? Cause you need these pills. And I'm like, oh crap. And so I started to finally realize like 50 miles up a mountain is actually a long way. It never actually occurred to me. Cause I was like, of course I can do that. Sure I can, no problem. Um, and that was kind of the way I was about the team. I've kind of just always been that way. I'm like, well, I just, I, I'm willing, I have a very high threshold um for just chaos carnage like it just never occurs to me to not try <laughs> that's awesome um do you guys all remember when you took your real estate test for the first time yep yeah um so carissa said she didn't pass it um it took her three times it took me five times i was there it took me six i yeah. love it yes did you pass on the first time yeah. I figured she everybody did. on my team, every single person I've ever hired passed the first time. I'm like, well, it took me three times to pass my broker's exam. So I was like, well, this is just my thing. So the point of this is to tell you guys, if you are agents that are getting ready to take your test or, you know, have taken it and didn't pass the first time, it has no bearing on whether or not you're going to be a good realtor. Right. Never. Exactly. So don't stress about it. It's just 70 bucks every time and you can take it as many times as you want. So don't stress about it. So <laughs> absolutely. It's true. So when you train those first four people all at once, were they all for the same job, same position? Um, or were they all different positions? Yeah, no, it was all buyer's agents. And so really like there was really a, not a lot of thought put into this. And so I just thought, I knew that even then when, when we started the team that I wanted I wanted them to have what I had. And to me, like, I wouldn't want to just be a buyer's agent. And it didn't make a lot of sense because I knew if you had more listings, that the listings are what keep you in business. And the listings are what allow you to have freedom in your life, like actually have a life. Because, you know, the lifespan of a, we call everyone on our team buyer's agents, but the lifespan of buyer's agent is really 
not super long. I mean, it's just, it's hard. There's only so much time. And so I just, you know, I never consulted a lot of people about stuff, which has been a good thing and a very bad thing at times, depending on what side of that I'm on. Um, but I just, I decided that I was going to have people and call them buyer's agents and they could do whatever they wanted. They could do listings, they could do, um, they could do buyers, they could just do the whole thing. So this was 15, 16 years ago. So it was long before we thought about it, but it just made sense to me logically. It was just, it just made sense. So I have two things. So, um, I want to go back to what you said about, I just never think that I can fail. So I love that. And it's, I'm like the super nerd in the group here. <laughs> um, so I've read a lot of stuff about very highly successful people and they all have that. In fact, like Steve Jobs, they called it his reality distortion field. And with Elon Musk, they call it his Mars effect. And it's the idea that they just literally cannot process failure. They just don't care. They have such an open brain, heart, soul, whatever you want to call it, that they don't think about, oh, maybe I will fail or maybe this won't go well. They just push forward in whatever they want to do. And then if it fails, they just move on from failure really quickly. So it sounds like you're totally like that, which I love. I can be like that. I mean, I think, I think I'm one of those people, you know, Gary talks about, um, what is it that motivates you? And what I really realized, like I wanted to have something like really cool, like my kids or, or like, what's your big why? Like my kids, my family. And I realized like, I was like, okay, I love my family. I love my kids, but that's not it. Like if you ask me what gets me out of bed every day, that's actually not that they, sometimes they actually keep me in bed. So I'm like, oh my God, I need some time off because the people are crazy. Um, but I realized I'm a super, this sounds really weird negatively motivated person. So I think on some level, I always feel like probably not on decisions like this, like it, it did never occur to me that I could hike 50 miles, that I couldn't hike 50 miles or that I, you know, couldn't hire four people at one time that didn't. But a lot of times I think once I think I gained some success was really when that mindset kind of became more prevalent of where I was like, I don't think that I can do this, but what if I could? And so to me, it was just this like little thing that's like, well, pretty much you didn't think you could do anything that you've done at this point. If I'd sat and thought about it, I would have said, no way I could do that. But I actually, I just don't think about a lot of things. I just got reaction is like, yes, to everything. Just like, yeah, I could do that. Sure. Whatever. Uh, there's not a lot of things that I think about. If I think about it and then I overthink it, I think I'm always stuck in that place of, I don't think that I can do it. And I think, but there's always that part of me that's like, but what if you could, like you've done so many things that you never thought you could accomplish. You just, in my wildest dreams, I never thought that I would have the life that I have now. And I think it's always that little thing that kind of motivates me is like, I know you think you can't, but what if you could? So it's kind of like that. I love that. So when you hired those four people at once, which I've heard a lot of agents teach that way, actually, that when you're building a team, you should hire, I've heard three, but you should hire three at one time. And then usually you'll get one good one out of that. And then you'll lose two. And then you have to like, almost like a class or a cohort when you're hiring mm -hmm. um, nurses or military people. Um, but how, like, so what was the makeup of your business at that point? Because I feel like a lot of people get overly stuck in the model. So they feel like they have to get to a certain level of success, a certain number of units, a certain volume, whatever that is, or they have to be so knocked down, drag out, busy themselves that they can't even breathe. And then that is the point at which they hire. So when, where were you at that point? Nowhere near, I hadn't even read the book, didn't know about it, like that thing. So I like, there was no thought put into this. I was like, well, don't want to be alone. Might as well hire some people. So we did not have the business. I mean, like nothing, like we actually didn't have anything. Um, like I had some business, but not, I wasn't even making enough money that I needed to make. Um, I tend to be like, if I need to force myself to really like up my game, I will hire someone, which is probably not a good business model to follow. <laughs> 
I go buy something really expensive, <laughs> which is like financially, uh, like Ben Kinney's doing the win, make, give financial yeah. right now. If he heard me say that, he'd probably kick me in the face. But like, that's what I do is like, I'm going to go buy something crazy expensive that I can only pay for if I push myself. So same thing. Yeah. But like, what was your unit? Like how much business were you doing at that point? I think, I think I did in my first year having a team, I think we were like 70 to a hundred units, somewhere in there. Uh, and then the majority of those were probably us. And I think one of the things that I didn't do, and that's probably my first full year in business with the team. So it's probably more like 18 months, you know, somewhere in there, uh, being in the business. I, I think that, I, I just think that I, um, it never, I just, I didn't know what was, what was possible. So no one told me that agents only sold 12 houses a year or whatever. Like, I just didn't know. And I was like, well, I'm still broke. So I'm going to just keep doing this. Um, and, and that was really it. I just, I, I never listened to what other people said. And I was in a, like a weird little office. that wasn't like the main office. It was like this little annex place. And I was in there with a few really creative, it just, turned out that I was in there with a few really creative thinkers. And uh, one of the guys, his name is Kevin Klingle. He owns a bunch of restaurants now. I think he's still in real estate, has his license. Um, but I would tell him, like, I would get these crazy ideas and he would always listen. And he was so open-minded about it. He's like, maybe, like, tell me about it. Whereas anybody else, like my husband, um, and he's not negative, but he's very realistic and he's very, a linear thinker. He's like, what the heck? I mean, like, he's like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, have you looked up anything? I was like, no, 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 no. But like, what do you think? And he's like, I, I, we don't have enough. You know, he's just incredibly logical and linear, which in my world at times can be like dirty words. It's like, the, you know, it's like a four letter word. Um, but, you know, we need those people to kind of keep us from, you know, going off the deep end sometimes. Um, but I think I thrive with, from a business perspective, people that will listen to all my crazy ideas um, with a 100% open mind and heart, and then they will inject small parts of logic in there and help me kind of shape it into what it needs to be. Um, but if you just kill me with logic in the beginning, like it just, you know, you, you just, you kill my vibe. So what did you do with four people brand new, no business to feed them with? Cause that's the other place where I feel like agents get mm -hmm. stuck is like, oh, before I hire somebody, I better go out and make sure I'm turning this many Zillow leads or this many whatever's like, how did you, how did you feed four people and yourself in the beginning? Well, we, we, our splits were totally wrong. So that was a whole nother thing. But, um, so we did 70, 30 in the beginning, which don't ever do that. It was a really bad idea on everything. Cause I was like, well, I don't like to pay 50, 50, 70, 30 was seemed fair. Um, so I just taught, I must, I'm not the greatest trainer. I usually will just say like, okay, I'm going to show you how to get on the phone. Here's how you do it. And I'll do a couple of things. And then that's pretty much it. I'm like, do you got it? Do you want to do a few with me? Like, you want to sit here for another hour? And I'm like, do you have it? And if they say yes, I assume they have it. And I always, I've always kind of been this way where I'm like, okay, if you don't have it, just tell me because I'm totally fine with that and we'll keep going over it. But if you have it, assuming that you have it. Um, and if you have questions, come see me, whatever. I'm super, I'm not a micromanager at all. I mean, I feel like even back then, like we're all adults here and we're straight commission. Like you understand how straight commission works and I understand how straight commission works. And I just, I can't do the work for you. So you've got to get in there and do the work. And that's not to say that I didn't convert deals and tee them up to them, but I got out of production, I mean, pretty fast. And that was always my intent. I always knew it's the reason why we had our name, Real Estate by Design. Um, I just, I, I knew I never wanted to be the person that the people wanted. Um, like I didn't want them to want me. Like I wanted them to work with our team and me, but I just, I just never felt like I was a great agent. Um, I just never felt like I was a great agent. I totally get that. Um, I was just, yeah, I'm, I'm like so burned out that I hate it, which 
God love my clients okay. if they listen to this, but I, I hate it. So now I keep back like going back and forth on like, do I build a team again? Do I not build a team again? I used to have that reality distortion field where I was completely mentally unstoppable and I did not give one single shit what happened. And I was never, ever considered that failure was ever an option. And I couldn't have cared less if I failed, but then some stuff happened in my personal life and it really messed with my mindset. And now I'm more afraid of failure than I've ever been. And it's really hindering me. So kudos for you for just going for it. It's incredible. Well, I think I just never, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just, it just, I knew that I had to succeed no matter what, because, you know, as the primary breadwinner for a while. And then, I mean, I was just like, it just, it, it had to work. I didn't have another option and I just didn't have another choice. Um, so eventually what ended up happening is at about, we just weren't growing. So we would like 98, 97, 99. So I think the team lasted maybe three years. And for a lot of different reasons, I was going to lose like three of the four because they were all the ones that I started with pretty much I ended with and a few others. Um, and we just, and, and at the time I was doing the majority of the business. Um, I would say in the beginning, that first year, I was probably, you know, I don't know, 60, 70 of uh, the units. And I slowly just kind of started pulling myself out of that. Um, and as much as I could pull out, I, I did. Um, but I remember I had lost like two or three of them uh, for a lot of different reasons. Like one was going to become a travel agent and they're just going to do different things. Uh, one wasn't going to work anymore. And they, um, I remember coming into my team leader. I was very, very fortunate that I had an awesome team leader. I remember coming in there and saying, Hey, just wanted to let you know I'm quitting. Um, he's like, what? And I'm like, I just, I don't want to do it anymore. It's not fun. Like, I just, like, I, I'm tired of this. I, I hate losing people. It's breaking my heart. Like, I just don't want to do it anymore. Like I'm going to do something different. And he's like, so wait a minute. And he's like, you're the like number two, three team in the office. Like you can't quit. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm quitting. And, and I love to go to the movies during the day. And he's like, so here's what you're going to do. It was a Friday. You're going to leave today and you're going to move, go to the movies. Just go to the movies. You're not going to think about anything. And when you come back on Monday, we're going to talk first thing Monday, nine o'clock. He's like, okay. I said, but I'm quitting just so that you know I'm quitting. And he's like, okay, fine. We'll just talk about it on Monday. So went to the movies and I came back and he said, and it was just real kind of matter of fact. And we had had a good relationship. He and I had. And we had talked about some of this stuff, but he'd never mentioned specifically career visioning. So I came back and he said, um, here's what you're going to do. I'm going to tell you what to do and you're going to just do it. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Let me hear what you have to say. So he said, you are going to just probably, I don't know, maybe three years, four years in. He's like, um, Jay is going, cause he'd met Jay and he had known that we kind of wanted to work together. He's like, Jay is going to quit his job. And you're going to hire a new assistant and we're going to hire you an admin and we're going to start over. And during this entire process, you're not going to say anything. You're not going to ask questions. You're not going to do anything. You and I will talk afterwards, but you're not talking to the people that we hire. You, you're going to keep your mouth shut and you're just not going to do anything. You just can pay attention. And I was like, and I think it was just so beaten down. I was like, okay, whatever. And so I remember calling Jay and I was like, okay, you need to put your notice in, quit your job. And I said, we're going to hire some more people. And he's like, okay. And so he gave his notice and um, we hired a girl named Donna as our admin. And we hired Nikki, who is still actually on my team. Well, she's been on my team 13 years. So it was probably about three years in, about 12 or 13 years. So it's three or four years in when this happened. And so um, she joined the team and I just realized that the process actually worked and there, I was still after a while I realized that like the process can still be me like it does I'm not being fake by doing this like none of those things are fake um, and what the process did is it gave me a confidence in my hiring that people weren't going to leave me and if they did leave me I knew that I had done everything in my power because I just always felt like I think one of my biggest like 
fears, and even now still, is that did I take someone that could have been really good, that could have had an amazing career in real estate, that could have had this incredible life, did I take them and did I waste them because I was a shitty leader? Mm -hmm. and, and that was like, I hated the idea that there were people that could have been really good in this business, but they weren't good because I was bad. You know, like I wasn't good enough and that was why. Um, and that was one of the best things that came out of that is I learned about career visioning. And he also told me it was the first time that I'd ever had someone tell me, he's like, look, you keep saying you're going to be better at training. You keep saying you're going to do all these things. He's like, just newsflash. You're never going to be good at that. Like, you're not good at that. He's like, so just, he's like, just give yourself permission to do what you're good at. And I was like, okay. I mean, I mean, I just was so tired that I just did whatever he said to do, which was, and thank God he gave me good advice. Uh, and so we just did it. And Jay joined the team and, um, Nikki and Donna joined the team. And then within probably a month of that, we hired Brandy. Um, and they were all, I think Brandy was with us about seven years, left for a year, came back for a couple of years. Um, and Nikki's still on the team and Jay is still here too. So I haven't run those two off. <laughs> That's a long time. Like even those ones that joined the team at inception to stay with you for three years. That's a, that's a pretty long time. I really liked them. They really liked me. I think it was never a problem of them liking me and me liking them. Like now I tell people, I'm like, look, you're going to love me. Like you are going to think I'm the best, but when you're, it's mostly admin that I have to tell this. I'm like, but I am so annoying. You're never going to think I'm mean, but let me tell you all the bad things. And I just give a list and it's probably like, 25 things I'm like I'm gonna do this and it's gonna be annoying and I'm gonna do that and this I'm not gonna return your text messages you're gonna have to text me 15 times like I'm gonna forget stuff you know like I just have to be I'm super upfront about all my little faults and things that will make them crazy even though they love me they will still feel like they want to kill me were you like did you always feel like a leader from the beginning or was that something that you felt like you had to grow in? Cause that's my biggest thing too, is fear of being a good leader. I felt like I, I tell people all the time, I feel like I've always run a team. I mean, I had my youngest brother is 13 years younger than me. So pretty much I was running a team from a very young age. Um, both my parents worked at night. So a lot of that responsibility uh, fell on me and my younger sister. And I realized like, at a very young age, like I had super young, even when I only had one sister or two sisters, um, I, I had like little businesses where I'd clean people's garage out. So I think I've always loved the idea of teams. When I was little, the very first book that I vividly remember that I love was How to Make Money as a Kid. So I was just always very money motivated and always trying to figure out how can I do more with less how can I, I just was, I think I've always been a team builder, whether or not I was a great leader. I think that has come with time. I think I've always been a team builder and that's just kind of how my brain works. So with Jay coming on, Kristen's a husband and wife team. And so mm -hmm. what does that dynamic look like for you? Like, what's your disc profile? I mean, I can guess, but I want, what is, what is it? Um, I am a high I, and then my D is like just barely on the line. I'm not, not, so my ABA, I don't know if you ABA mm -hmm. is uh, three, nine asterisk, three, five, three. So, um, so three low, which, which is like your D, nine asterisk three, five, and then my last one is a three. So um, I am not, I'm probably the one of the least dominant people on our team, which is kind of funny. Uh, so not super dominant, even though people don't actually, people always are like, that's not true. I'm like, no, I swear, I promise I'm not. I've had to learn how to be that way um, for the business, but I'm not naturally um, that way. And the dynamic was tough because Jay is uh, a DC. Um, and, you know, we had worked together when we were very young at a restaurant. Um, it was really hard. Like, people are like, oh, I want to work with my spouse. I'm like, you should think about that. And it's, it's, it's easier now, but it was, I would be lying if I didn't say that our marriage suffered 
in the beginning. Now I, now I know a lot of people that have put a lot of thought into what it, what it looks like, what it, what it should look like. If I was ever going to put a lot of thought into anything, it would be forming a team with my spouse, especially if the woman started at first and the man comes in next. Mm -hmm. I think when you form teams together, and this is like, I have no data for this. So this is just my theory on people that I know that have teams that are husband wife. I think if you're older and not young and male egos as they are, are a little bit more mild out. You're just like a mellow person. Like if you're older or mellow and the guy is chill, then it's fine. I think if you're both like I was just really used to making the decisions. Like I didn't ask him to make decisions previously. So once he got there, I was like, well, why am I asking? You know what I mean? Like I just wasn't used to it. And even now, like still, like I'm like, oh crap, I should have asked him that. Like I just forget because I, I think I just, and it's not out of a disrespect for him. It's just that I just make decisions. I'm like, ah, done, we're doing it. Like I just go and there's not a lot of, thought. Like I always tell my team, if you do not like, I like to make vast sweeping changes at four o'clock on a Friday. Like mm -hmm. we're trying to just try it, but I'm a big fan of trying things out. And I think it, but it was, it was very hard. So the dynamic now is now, now he is doing the majority of the stuff. Like I do the hiring. Um, I do the business planning. I do, um, the game plan. I do the, not the marketing stuff, but the marketing ideas. So I'm really like kind of high level, like not a lot of day-to-day -day stuff. I do the hiring, like that's my joy. Like I, if I could just interview people, talk to people and get to meet people and go to lunch with people and breakfast. And I love that. That is my passion. People are always my passion. I, I just love people. Um, sometimes I hate them, but I mean, most of the time I, and sometimes I hate them because I love them so much. And like, yes. you're, you're killing me. <laughs> um, but that's my passion and the other stuff providing the vision and the guidance i always say if we're about to get sued i'm the one you call like if if, if the the shit has officially hit the fan call me like if we think we're going to get sued call me um but for the most part he is very good at the day-to-day -day running of the team he does the team meetings uh, he meets one-on-one -on -one with the agents he does still take some listings every now and then um I'm trying to think. He, he does a ton. Like he does a ton and he is consistent as the day is long. I am the least consistent person you will ever meet. Hence <laughs> so many things. Yeah. Not consistent. Yeah. Same. Consistently you sound like, inconsistent. <laughs> you, what? Sound, you sound like my husband and I, you sound like more of my husband than me, but mm -hmm. it, it, it raised a question for me with working with your spouse. And I noticed this with Eric and I, and I'm kind of interested to see if it's with you guys. So Eric and I know our roles. And I think that's the number one thing that when a husband and a wife work together, they need to realize what their goals are or what their roles are. Mm -hmm. um, you stick to your roles. I stick to my roles. But what I have noticed that is like, there'll be times when Eric, he's my husband, he will call me out on some things and then I'll turn around and I will call him out on some things on his roles. And we kind of go off of each other like, oh, okay, I am doing this a little bit differently. Maybe we need to swing it and go this way. Do you guys work off each other that way? Even though you know what your role is on the team, do you ever be like, hey, look, you, you need to calm down. Like this needs to go this way. Do you guys do that with each other? Are you guys okay calling each other out? No, I was, <laughs> I mean, like, do we call each other out? Yes. Is it okay? No. Um, usually like I think, so I got really sick four years ago and I was just to the point where I was like, I don't want to say a bad word, but whatever. But that I was thinking, I was like, fuck like, it all. Yeah. It, yeah. Fuck it. I don't care. I'm like, this is either going to, I was like, I, I cannot be the one like I'm, I'm sick. I'm tired. I don't give a shit. Like, Right. You are either going to figure this out or you're not. And surprisingly right. enough, that was one of our most successful years. So we had massive growth and I, I was, I was so sick. I was 
fairly in the office. And one of the things that I think we've been very fortunate is that we have an incredibly um, self-sufficient team. Like it does, and honestly, Jay thinks it matters if he comes in, but it doesn't really matter. So like, we don't have to, like, they don't need us. Like they don't actually need us. And it is amazing because we take long vacations in the summer to know that we have such an amazing team of people that are so, um, they just, they, they know what to do. They know what their job is and they come in and they do it. Are there times where they need us? Yes. But to get back to your point, like I'm the worst because to me, this was, I am incredibly proud of my children, but this business is something that not everyone can do. And, and this is kind of a weird concept, but to me, anyone can have babies. If you basically got a uterus and a couple of ovaries or one ovary, like you can do this. And motherhood is incredible. The, the, the art of motherhood is rearing the actual children. It's like doing that part. But how many people can actually build something from nothing, which our team was nothing. We built it out of something. So there was nothing. I made something. And then to sustain it. So it's like your kids. Like it's easy to actually physically birth a kid, but like keeping them alive, making sure they're not assholes, you know, like all the things. That's the hard part. And to me, this was something that was independent of me being a woman, independent of my gender. I just think I'm just amazed by people that can start something from nothing and maintain that and have success and, and provide a life for their family and, and an incredible life. So I've always been super, super, like incredibly proud of that. And so I always felt like his, although he is incredibly committed to the team, I think when you're the one who birthed it, when you're the mama of the thing, I'm like, care more. I don't know what that movie was, but they're like, I just, I need you to care more um and to me you know i think he was always very clear like i'm not going to sacrifice everything for the team and i think to me that almost made me more nervous because i'm like then that means i have to sacrifice everything for it so this was a very like it was just incredibly personal to me and it was it was my i just felt like there was so much of me in it i, I wasn't willing i just put too much into it like it had been too much work I was too proud and there was never a point where I think it was going to fail or he ever said, I don't care if it fails. He never said that. But when he would say, I'm Uh Oh, I think she froze saying. Hey, Carissa, I think you're frozen work. And I want, like, I want you to work with me and let's both do it. Um, and I think a lot of this was me probably as a, as a leader, but also as a spouse, just not having, I just, I, I couldn't separate the two. And, and I don't want to give the impression that I wasn't spending time with my family or I wasn't doing that. I think I had incredibly unrealistic expectations of him and what I, what, I, what I wanted to hear, because I, I can be slightly neurotic, it has been said, and a little bit overbearing and demanding and hard to please. I have been told this by maybe one person, but probably one. <laughs> um, but you know, I just, I, it just, it was really important to me. It really, really mattered. And um, I wanted him to express everything exactly like I did, which was, was not right. Like I realized just because he wasn't saying the words that I wanted to hear or how I would say it, I in turn thought, well, you're not, you're not doing it. Like you, you don't care. You don't care as much. You don't care enough. You're not doing enough. And so for me, I think that was a, that was a me thing. That was totally a me thing. That's, oh. that was where we had a challenge. So long or short answer is no. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, no, we, we, it's, it's much better now, but I almost have to, I'm an all or nothing girl. I, I almost have to like not remove myself, but I have to be like, you're going to, you're going to either figure this out or, but I, I'm just like, I will help you if you ask, but for the most part, this is your thing. 
And I think it was one of the things that's helped me with the team is that I wasn't afraid to let people fail. Like I, it wasn't a problem for me because to me, I'm like, you're going to lose leads. You're going to lose good leads. You're going to make mistakes because I made those mistakes and I'm okay with you making those. Um, and I think because I was such a bad agent, like I was okay with that, but yet because it was Jay, my husband, I was not okay. Sorry. That was a very weird move. I did. I was not okay. I just had a higher expectation for him. And I was like, I, I, I didn't give him the leeway that I gave so many, pretty much everyone on our team. I never gave him that opportunity. So, oh, sorry, go ahead, Jess. Oh, I was just going to say, I'm the only one out of the five of us on this call that hasn't worked with my husband. Um, Angela is currently still in business with her husband. And it's something that like, I don't think I can do. Like, I think I would kill my husband if we worked together. And so if you already my, feel that way, don't do it. Right. <laughs> I mean, right. we would, my problem is my husband used to be a real estate agent, like 112 years ago. So he's always like, you need to do it like this. And I'm like, what are you fucking talking about? That's from 1999. Like nobody does that anymore. Um, but my question is more. How do you guys shut it off? Like, how do you, how do you walk away from the business when the business is such a huge part of your life? And how do you continue to maintain a really seemingly great marriage? We, we, I mean, I don't think either one of us have a problem shutting it off. So like shutting it off was never the issue. I mean, we usually take every summer, a three week vacation with our kids. I mean, we're, we log about 70 to 80, not this year we won't, um, but a lot of time off. And a lot of our people, like at the end of the year, our entire team calculates the amount of days off we took as a whole. Because really like, who wants to say like, I worked many days. Like I'm like, that should not make anybody proud. The amount of days they work, what should make us proud is the amount of money we made combined with the amount of time we took off because we actually work to be able to have the lives that we want. And that does not involve, for, I would say, most people working. Um, so I don't think turning off is an issue. Like I love to travel. It is, it is one of my absolute positive, most favorite things. And so turning off is just not an issue. I think for people in regards to turning off and self-care and that type of thing, uh, I think the people that struggle with it are the ones that are super passionate about selling, like buying and selling homes and are really good at it. I was never good at it, So I'm like, you guys have got this under control. I mean, they're way better than me. They will always be better than me. They always have been our team better than me. Our admin know what they're doing. And they, I mean, for the most part, everyone on our team has been there a really long time. Um, I, you know, Oftentimes, I think it runs smoother when Jay and I are not there. Uh, so I think it's just one of those things that if you're not good at it and you're going like, how can I be better at turning it off? I think that's where you have to put like systems in place to where it's like, I put my phone away in another room. If that isn't enough because you hear it buzz, I turn all the buzzers off. If that isn't enough, I turn every notification off and I literally put it in my car and it's off, you know, whatever you have to do. And you kind of have to just play with it a little bit to see, but whatever you have to do to give that time and but turn it into a habit. And then when you've got the habit formed, you know, does my voicemail, yeah, actually, I don't know what my voicemail says, but it used to say like, I don't have to call answer calls after six. Realistically, sometimes I did, but I just never felt bad about it. Like I was like, I, I, I'm not going to work. Even when I was in production, I was like, you know, it's not that I didn't answer the phone sometimes at nine or 10 o'clock at night, but I never wanted to set the expectation that you had me 24 seven because you didn't like, I was never going to give that. So, so much of this I think is about managing people's expectations. And if you haven't given yourself permission to have a life, then no one is actually going to allow you to have one. So we have to train people on how we want to be treated. And if you train your people, your, whether it's your clients, your team, whoever, that you are available 24 seven and you know, then, then they're going to take it, not take advantage. They're going, they're going to assume you're 24 seven. Nobody faults you. you. You kind of have to take it back for yourself. Got to find a way. I have tremendous guilt 
if I don't answer the phone for one of my agents late at night because there's no one else for them to ask. So I have not empowered anyone else to be that person. So in turn, it falls on me. And that's my fault. Um, I'm terrible at delegating because I've been burned a lot in the past. Um, when it comes to like the answering the phone after hours and that kind of thing, I am so passionate about this business that I enjoy talking about it to Josh. Like, and I think that that's detrimental and I don't know how to stop it. And if you can tear off a bandaid or if it has to be progressive. You know, I don't, you know, I'm a tear off the bandaid girl. Um, it, but, but, but I also know how I work. I'm like, I'm so compulsive about certain things. Like if it's going to be hard for me, I'm like, Oh, we got to tear that bandaid off. And you know, it could involve sitting on my hand. For me, if I was, I'd have to, I'd have to hide my phone. Cause like, if I am interested in something like sometimes I'm like, I'm not going to watch this. I'm, I'm not going to look at that app. I have to physically take my app off my phone for two hours and then reinstall it because I'm so kind of compulsive sometimes and it becomes habitual. So I think, you know, and, and let me tell you the beautiful thing about not answering the phone. And there are some times where you have to obviously do it. But I think when we do this with our team and our family, it, it, it shows them how to think for themselves. They, you know, a lot of times if you, and you don't have to like not respond if it's like a 911 emergency, but not everything is a 911 emergency. And so ultimately, if, if you slow, if you have the ability to slowly ease back, you're going to wake up one day and you're going to have a team or children that are self-sufficient. And, you know, one of the things that was interesting when my first daughter went to school and went to orientation, they kept saying stuff. And I'm like, what are these people talking about? And they're like, you need to make children register themselves. You need to make them do this. And I'm like, what? I don't, I mean, like it never even occurred to me that I would ever register her because they're her classes. She's in college. Like, why would I ever do that? And the last thing I want to do is raise children that are equipped for the world. And I definitely don't want to have agents that can't make decisions. What if I'm sick? What if I've got run over by a bus? Like what? I mean, like, I want them to be okay, regardless of what happens to me. And I don't want, like, I don't want to send my girls to college and them not know how to do their laundry. I don't want them to not, and as soon as I went to that orientation, my youngest daughter, I'm like, you need to start making your dentist appointments. I'm like, and it was kind of a fiasco. There were a lot of mistakes. She made it in the middle of the day. She's like, you told me I could just make it. Like, I didn't mean miss school. Like, let, let's be clear on these are the things. So there will be mistakes if you don't give a lot of direction. Um, but, you know, the agents on our team are really freaking good. Um, and they know, like, I'm, you know, I want you to try to figure it out. I never want you to come to me and say, like, hey, I'm doing a CMA. What do you think? Um, I will always tell you, I will help you with your CMA. You do the CMA, come to me, I'll review it with you, or I'll show you mine, and then we'll talk about it. But I want you to do the work. And me, I feel like if I don't teach them to do that, then I'm handicapping them. And I don't want to handicap the people that I love and make them dependent on me. Because what happens if for some reason it doesn't work out on the team, now they're on their own and they realize, I don't know how to do crap. Like, I don't know how to actually do anything, like actually nothing. Uh, because we did it all for them or I did it all for them. So because I love them and I don't like to answer my phone sometimes is why, um, you know, I, I, but it really is a lot. It has a lot to do with, you know, if I love you, the last thing I want to do is send you out into the world and not be able to do things. Like I just, I don't want to do that to you because I love you. So how to try to change the way you think about it, kind of reframe it. Um, and make it less about you being passionate and more about, you know, are you, are you really doing them the justice as a leader and as a trainer, if you do everything for them or answer all their questions without giving them the opportunity to learn something on their own? Totally makes sense. I've been operating out of guilt and I can't do that. 
You're also probably a really good agent and particular about how, I mean, I don't know you, but particular about how things are done and want things to be done right. And I would assume you probably are a little bit of a perfectionist. Um, are you or not? Like knows you personally, girl. <laughs> um, but a yeah. lot of times, like you just have to be prepared that stuff is going to get messed up because right. just like when you learn, it's going to get done yeah. and it's going to be okay. Yeah. And, and, and that's part of it. And you're going to lose a little bit of money. Like, like we kind of, we know that. Um, and that's, you know, some of the things that I'm most vigilant about and learned really well were the things that cost me a fortune yeah. uh, for the lesson. And sometimes, you know, we don't want that for our team, but ultimately sometimes we don't learn any of those lessons until it costs us a fortune. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I always tell people I, I own my own brokerage. So, um, I call ourselves a teaching brokerage. And so I want to make sure that I love new agents. I love teaching them and watching them grow and empowering them. Um, but they have to bring me a solution if they bring me a problem, at least two solutions that are good. Um, and then we'll talk about it and they'll decide which one is the best after talking to us. But um, do I want to just jump in and fix it? Yeah, because I know the answer. And I hate when people know the answer and they don't help me. So <laughs> it's really hard for me to, to stop that. But sometimes- But, how did, but you learn answer the answers probably by figuring some of it out. Like we have right. to give them the ability to learn the things and we're really not doing them a service Right. By just telling them the answer. Yep. As long as they fail in a safe place. Yeah. I mean, I'll pick them up later. I'm okay. Mm -hmm. So as a super high I mm -hmm. who loves people so much, how do you deal with tough conversations? Is that something that you had to grow into or have you always been good at dealing with that? Because I'm a super, super high D, super, super high I, and I really struggle with tough conversations because I love people so much. I don't want to say mean things to them. Um, you know, funny, I was just talking to a girl on my team before I came here about this. Um, I, one time when I was taking a listing, I had a client tell me, I would have made a different decision if you had been honest with me. And I don't know if you said honest, but essentially that was the gist of it. And I realized I wasn't 100% forthcoming in it. And so now I say it to my kid. I mean, like I, I use pretty much everything, my real estate script on like, and because it's so practical. And I realized like, I, I'm always going to be honest with you even if it makes me feel bad or uncomfortable, or I know it may not be what you want to hear because I never want you to say the words to me. I would have made a different decision if you had been honest with me. And there's nothing worse. Like I hate when I make a decision and then afterwards you're like, Oh, well, what about this? I'm like, well, why didn't you freaking tell me that? Like, I cannot stand it. I'm like, I can't, I am only as good as the information that I'm given. And we owe it to our clients. We owe it to our team to have it. Like, am I sitting down dying to like tell people stuff they don't want to hear? No, but I, and you know what? I use Angela Duckworth. No, it's not Angela Duckworth. Um, Fierce Conversation Lady. It is, it I, is Angela Duckworth. Oh no, that's Susan's. Yeah, Susan Cup. But um, she, Angela so Duckworth's the grit girl. Yeah, she's the grit one. I use... I mean, I literally will go through and I have the little thing and it's laminated. And I'm like, okay, this, this is just to revive, just to remember. But I just, I think now I've gotten so used to it. And, but so much of this, just like uh, what Angela was saying, like I had to retrain my brain to think differently. So I had to just say, I know that I hate doing this. And I know that I feel like crap telling people things they don't want to hear, but I love people. And if I love people and I love this person and I love my clients, then I have to do the hard work, you know, and, and if this was easy, everybody would do it. And so I'm not willing to potentially hurt my clients, hurt my friends, hurt the people that I love by not being honest. Uh, so, and then it became like the opposite like compulsion. And like, now I'm like, this is how I feel. This is what I want. Here's what I'm thinking. Like, and, and people are probably like, you know what, dial it back a little bit. Like you're, we're, we got it. Like we're clear. And I think, I'm now going to the other spectrum. <laughs> that's that's how I, because I'm a, I'm a DI as well too, and my I would come out and I would not want to confront anything years ago. I wouldn't want to confront anything. What has taught me to come with 
controversial topics or confronting somebody is I don't want this to linger on anymore. If I just come to you now and tell you how I feel now, we're all going to feel better within seconds or within minutes. If you don't come, if you don't confront that person or confront the situation now and bring up those topics now, you're always going to have that tension. You're always going to have that, man, I should have told them type of thing. Do it now, get it over with. Everybody will feel better later. That's yeah. what I, that's what I tell myself to help bring that out. And, well, like and a lot said, of it is, a lot of it is too, like I've had a couple of girls on my team that they hate, they hated confrontation. And I am like the least confrontational person, but the only thing worse than confrontation is knowing someone is upset and knowing that I might need to give them apology. And, and I, and I, and I haven't because I don't know what's wrong. And, you know, it talks about, um, Brene Bound talks about, you know, expectations or future resentments. And, and that's true. Like I struggle with expectations, but I think a lot of times when we don't have these conversations, all you're doing is making a deposit in the resentment jar. Like yep. it's going to come out. Like I, like I always say, Oh, I'm like, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm just going to brush it under the rug until one day I realized it's about 38 was like, Oh shit. Like it is no longer coming out of the rug. It is pouring out of the rug. And now like you are literally left with like, you're in a room and it's, you're surrounded by crap that you thought you were doing a good job by not saying anything. And now you're just pissed. Like you're bitter and you're freaking pissed and nobody likes a bitter pissed 38 year old woman, not attractive. Um, but you know, and it's a ton to work through. And so I think that that is really, um, whether it's your team, your spouse, anything, I mean, we, we really have to harbor against making deposits in that resentment bank. Right. It's just like, it's just like telling a lie. Like you tell a lie right now, you know, damn well down the line, it's going to bite you in the ass. You might as well just upfront it now, say what you got to say and be done with it. That's how I see it. Mm -hmm. So I just have, I have one last question for you and it's like a three-parter almost. So one of the things that I've learned the most being on this podcast with all these different high level people, they're all in coaching they all hang out with really cool, high-level, intelligent people. Mm -hmm. So who do you look up to? Are you in coaching? And who are the sum of the five? Like, who are the people that you hang out with, like your five, that you say influence your life the most? Um, okay. So yes, I am in coaching. Of course, I'm in coaching. You have to be in coaching. Uh, yes, I have a therapist. Um, and like, she's, I mean, she's a therapist. I mean, she's a doctor, but she, we talk about business. We talk about everything. Um, I did have a trainer. I don't have a trainer, but yes, like I need people around me to do that. I mean, I, I'm just not one of those people. I'm not consistent. So if I'm not spending money or doing something that involves like someone holding me accountable, I will not be accountable. And even then it's still debatable at best. Um, this probably my five business people, uh, would probably be Ben Kinney, um, Wendy Pappas. Well, really like, can I count the five dolls as one group? So, cause they're like super, um, influential in my world. I, I adore them, all of them. But who are they? Oh, the who are all of the five dolls? Okay. Who are all the five dolls? <laughs> see if I can do all of them. Okay. So all the five dolls are me. Uh, Wendy Papasan, Seychelle Vanpool, Corinne Wynn, Bia Williams, let's see if I can remember all their names, Sue Adler, I'm going to have to count, um, Sarah Reynolds, Sarita, I don't remember, I don't know why I can't remember her name, but Sarita, uh, Kimber, Minkiti, um, did I say Seychelle? Who am I yeah. missing? That's Seychelle, yeah. And you guys like travel together and the whole thing, right? Who am I missing? Diane Griffin. Oh, how can you miss her? Is there a, there's one more. Who am I missing? It's hard to do without looking at a little thing. Who am I missing? <laughs> okay, I'll think of it in a second. So someone look up the five. Now I'm going to feel bad. Oh, Tiffany Fights. Ah, I just interviewed her person. And Tiffany Fights. It's like, who am I doing? I'm used to doing it with a thing. Um, and yes, we travel together. We 
Uh, we are going to Maryland, the beach house in Maryland in June. So like less, oh shoot, I gotta buy a ticket. Um, less than 30 days. I hope not more than 20, I hope more than 21 days, but less than 30. Um, yes, we do a lot. Um, I think outside of them, it's probably Ben Kenny, who um, I feel like I kind of grew, we grew up in this business together um, and have been friends a really long time. And he has been incredibly influential it, as a business person and as a friend. Uh, Kevin Kaufman, who I adore. And well, so people, obviously Gary Keller, um, because he is always there if you need to have that conversation. And I'm trying to get who else for business. It's probably it for business that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, and I would say all of those women, um, all of those women I would consider good friends, both of those guys, best friends. Um, and I, I, it didn't start off that way. It was something that I really had to work on um, to find those people. Um, but I really worked on it. And I knew like, if I have to spend time with people that are smart, cause like the first goal was like, I need to be around smart people. So smart people first. And then once you realize like, I've got lots of smart friends, then you find the ones that you actually really like. And, and it makes it easier. And I, um, have done so much with these groups and with uh, Gary's mastermind and with other non KW masterminds with the pirates, with all of those things, they were just, I mean, it's just been a blessing in my life and it's really changed uh, the trajectory of kind of my business and me as a human being. Um, but in addition to that, it's, it's, it's what keeps me going. I need like, it's been super hard not having masterminds. I'm like, I need people I need to be in a room with you. I, I need, I need that connection. I need events. I, I love events. I love training. Love all of that. I need that. So I realized it's bad. <laughs> we were supposed to be on stage together at NLA. That's how, oh. yeah, that's how I got, that's how I heard about you is through our homie Kevin over there. Oh, I love him. He's yeah. funny. I need funny people. Like funny matters to me. That is super, super important. Like I always say, as long as you're funny, I'll probably like you, even if you're a stereo color, because funny <laughs> people are typically, I don't know, like funny people are typically smart and engaging and I don't know. So I, yeah, I there are a lot yeah. of smart people that are not funny. Like I, I know quite a few, but what I realized is now I'm like, I have a plethora of smart people in my world. Now I'm like, I'm looking for the, I'm looking for the gold. I'm like the smart, the funny, has deep conversations, is a thinker, doesn't mind being authentic. I'm like, show me the ugly stuff. Like tell me all your deepest, darkest secrets. And then if we can do that, we can be, fun. and you're smart and funny, we're going to be best friends. That's hilarious. Kevin just texted me. Like I'm going to, he's literally texting me as we speak. So I'm going to be like, well, it's because it's because I text him. Oh. I, said, I said, we're podcasting with Carissa Auker. And she just said like five times that she loves you. And you mean so much to her. Oh, he, I was, all I saw was Kevin's name. Yeah, and he wrote heart. She's my very BFF. That's true. Love I'm Kevin. actually running an errand for him after this because you know, like I should be his administrative help, but it's fun. It's like an errand that I actually love running for him. So it's exciting. <laughs> um, I feel like I'm going to have to edit this out, but that could be so many weird things with Kevin. Oh, I buy all his stationery. So all of his stationery, I buy, because I love stationery. Like I, I probably have a thousand cards in my house, in my office. Like just, I love stationery. So, and he's always like, you have the best cards. And I'm like, I know, cause I'm freaking awesome. But uh, he's like, I want you to buy me some of those. So about twice a year, he sends me two or $300 and I go buy him tons of cards and I ship them. Oh, I, That's love, that. I love that. <laughs> so it's fun for me and it helps him out. I love that. So if just super quick, um, like if you were a person who was really, like if you want to find those people, but your world, like for our listeners, they're new in the business, you know, they're, mm -hmm. your world isn't big enough yet to be able to bring people like that into your world. How do you start with expanding your world and bringing amazing people into it? 
Well, when, when I started this, like I did actually, I, I did not, I, I was not doing a lot of business. So what we did is I just would go to whoever I knew that potentially knew more people than me. So mine happened to be Jimmy McKissick. He was the owner of our office. And I said, Hey, who do you know that I need to know? Like, who should I meet with? And he's like, Oh, I don't know. And he gave me a name or two. And then I called them and then I just worked hard. Like I have a tendency, like if I like you, I'm going to make you my best friend. Like it will be my mission and I will, I will give you everything I have just to make that happen. And then as people started to, as I started to know people, they're like, and I would ask them that. So then I would say, so I met Ben first, Ben and Seth Campbell. We were in an REO group. And then I would ask them like, who do you know that I need to know? And then they would tell me someone else. And that's how I met Wendy Papasan. And Jay. And then I would ask them, who do you know that I need to know? And so it just kind of, you just keep asking anytime there was an event or anything else. Um, and then don't be afraid to, I would say, don't be afraid to reach out to people that are doing more than you. Like it never, you know, it, I don't know. It just never occurred to me to not think that that was okay. And you'd be surprised. Not very many people reach out, like very, very few people you know, I think with probably Ben and Kevin, it's very different. But with me, not very many people are like, you know, pounding down the door. And to me, I'm too lazy to probably look up your stats or any of that other stuff. So I would never know if you were or you weren't. Um, so I think it's one of those things. We've all had someone that was well above our, our level from a business standpoint, take us under their wing and help us. And there are people like that all the time. And so you find the person that's a good fit for you um, I, I wouldn't be afraid to reach out to people that are above what you're doing. I mean, I love when people ask me questions and so I would never be afraid of that at all. I just love you. You're the definition of bold. <laughs> it's fabulous. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for being on with us today. So we will see everybody next week, but Chris, I thank you so much. We really, My really pleasure. Bye thank guys. You. Thank you. Bye. We hope you loved our show today. If you enjoyed it, do the homegirls a favor and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. Share this episode with all of your homegirls and friends and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at homegirlsco.